What's up, everyone? This is Jason Tucker, and this is Day P Water Cooler, episode number 324. This uh, topic is going to be ready, fire, aim, getting your client's MVP to market. Before we go around the room real quick, I want to let everyone know that uh, this particular episode is brought to you by ServerPress, Makers' Desktop Server. Make sure you go take a look at their website over at desktopserver.com. They're doing some really cool stuff over there. If you haven't used any of their products, uh, WP SiteSync is pretty dang awesome, and if you haven't looked at that, definitely do that. Um, let's go around the room real quick, get everyone introduced. Um, let's go, let's let's start out with a newbie. How about that? Adrian, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, uh, my name is Adrian. I am the CEO and founder of Groundhog. We develop marketing automation plugins for WordPress, primarily looking at email marketing and SMS marketing right within the WordPress dashboard. Uh, we've been in business since uh, November, uh, since February of this year, and we're looking to make marketing automation more accessible to businesses around the world who use WordPress. Awesome. Good to have you on. Good to have you on. Miriam, how about you? you? Tell us about yourself. So I'm Miriam. I'm lead developer for Pondstone Digital Marketing in Ottawa, and I'm also one of the co-organizers for WordCamp Ottawa, which is coming up this July 13th and 14th. Awesome. Good to have you. Uh, Cosper, how about you? Hey, everybody. Jason Cosper, a.k.a. Fat Moanwig. Happy to be here. Happy to talk some uh, WordPress today. Awesome, man. Good to have you on. Manny, how about you? Hey, uh, I'm Manny. I'm based in Las Vegas. I build websites for clients and for myself using WordPress. I'm one of the co-organizers of uh, WordCamp Las Vegas this year in September. We are about to launch our website, so you guys can go there and check it out. And I also co-organize the WooCommerce Meetup here and um, another one, Digital Marketing Meetup. I'm super excited to be here today. Cool. Good. Th thanks for uh, thanks for being on. How about you, you, Leo? Tell us about yourself. Hi, everyone. My name is Leo Postapoint. I'm uh, not as cool as Jason with the nickname like Fat Mullenweg, but I uh, I am one of the co-organizers of WordCamp Long Beach, and we'll be having our first WordCamp uh, in October. So super excited about that here in Southern California. Sweet. Awesome. Awesome. Good to have you guys. I'm Jason Tucker. You can find me over at Jason Tucker on Twitter. My website is jasontucker.blog. I do this show as well as another show called WP Blab that happens on Thursdays. Feel free to go take a look at that. Um, on that uh, that episode we did a couple weeks back is episode number 126 where we talked about marketing yourself as a WordPress developer. And it was pretty dang awesome. Uh, Rochelle Wise joined us and we, we talked about some really cool stuff. So make sure you go over there and take a look at that. Um, one last thing, this particular episode and all the other ones that we put out here are available as podcasts. You can go over to wpwaterco.com slash subscribe where you can learn how to subscribe to this stuff and also join our mailing list if you like as well. All right, so let's talk a little bit about uh, Ready, Fire, Aim. Uh, this, was, uh, this was a topic that, um, that um, it's, it's Adrian's fault actually that he, uh, he brought this one up. So Adrian, can you give us a quick little intro on this and then we can kind of uh, start working through it? Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, so, as a plugin developer, a lot of, a lot of businesses who use our plugins, we, we, it's very flexible what we provide. And what happens is, especially with niche markets like podcast creators or course creators, they get really deep into the weeds of what software can do or what they don't want is to launch their product uh, with too little content. So what happens is they spend a really long time or, or an excessive amount of time creating a lot of content uh, and trying to figure out the software and make it all work perfectly seamlessly so that there's you know, no gaps in the pipeline or anything. But what happens is when they do that, they, they get to a point where they put in so much excessive amount 
of effort and time into this that they never actually launch or it takes them a really, really long time to launch when it would have been so much easier and quicker for them to achieve the success that they're looking for to have launched with uh, less content and less kind of the back end all set up and just get their idea and their product out there. And they might be pleasantly surprised at the results they receive. So we're talking about ready, fire, aim. So it's the process of creating your minimum viable product or your minimum viable solution or just your initial seed stage content, getting that out there as quickly as possible and then optimizing the delivery of that on the back end. Yeah, we've never had any issues with uh, getting content from our customers, <laughs> right? Those clients, they always just silver platter that content and they go, here you go, all my words, nicely edited, already vetted, figured out, here, make it happen. Yeah, I've been building websites since 1993. That happened once, once in my life, you know? <laughs> and uh, yeah, number one reason that projects get delayed is content for sure, you know? I think that's why I think I try to educate my clients first and tell them about the discovery phase because they, at that point, we can, you know, find out what do they have ready, what do they don't have, and what they're trying to achieve because... As we were talking here before the show started, they don't, sometimes they don't understand. They don't know what they want. They have an idea. They have a concept, but they don't have something tangible, you know. And then I think nowadays there are, like, awesome tools like, you know, Envision, uh, Figma, and a bunch of other ones, Sketch, that helps you that, you know, create this draft and then have a starting point for an MVP or for a final product, you know. So what do you guys use as, like, as far as a tool to like, mock up and, and, and discuss with clients and, 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 go, and so on? You know? What do you guys use? Uh, personally, I mean, I, I recommend people start with whatever tools they have in front of them, right? Like, I, I think there's a, a lot to be said around things like Basalic and things like Sketch. Uh, I personally really, really like Figma. Figma is fantastic because it's free. It's cross-platform. It works on Mick. I think it's the only actual decent design program that does. It also produces some pretty easy to use styles. Um, it also has a pretty powerful API. I know Uber, for example, like every time a designer makes a change, it automatically triggers a pull request. It does also some pretty cool stuff in the background. Yeah. But and like site maps too, right? They give you like an overview of everything. It's awesome. Yeah, it can totally do whatever you want with layouts and, and design. But like, I also think there's a problem here that it's slightly different, but if you emphasize the tools too much, you're probably forgetting the design process, which is you want people to get excited about the things in front of you. And you want to figure out like, what's the minimum thing in front of you to actually ship. So if all you have is a piece of paper or Photoshop or GIMP, like I don't care, as long as I can understand what you're doing, that's more important to me. So sorry to hijack your question, Manny, but like <laughs> tools don't matter. Cool. Well, yeah, it matters who's driving the tools, right? Yeah, and, and to be clear, uh, GIMP as in the open source uh, software Photoshop replacement, not a guy in a mask. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. But well, GIMP, a, if you will. So if you're a, like a content creator, actually like listening in on this podcast, or you're a developer, but specifically if you're a content creator, in most cases what content creators have in front of them or, or as far as their tool stack goes is their WordPress website. And I think we should talk about maybe what, what is the minimum amount of content that you need to have on your WordPress website in order to be able to say, Hey, listen, you know, I'm going to go to Facebook and I'm going to publish this and then I'm going to show this with people. Like if you're a course creator, how many courses is it? If you're a blogger, how many blogs is it? If you're a podcaster, how many podcasts is it? If you're creating some sort of 
uh, store? How many products do you need? Uh, what, what do you guys think about that? Oh, man. Well, the products thing, uh, I'd imagine it's uh, however many you need to make it look like that the shelves aren't bare and that people walk into the store and go, wow, you have three things for sale, but you're talking you're talking about you know, selling hundreds of products. And it's like, well, you got three things. That's cool. Um, I'll never come back here again, I guess. Maybe? What do you think, I mean, if, if, the, if the whole point is you're selling one product, if you're selling one particular thing, uh, then make the layout of your store actually look like, okay, you get one thing when you come here. You, you get a coffee mug, you get uh, a little um, pen or something like when you come here. Not like, so, so basically having, uh, keeping in mind that, um, you know, the number of products that you have also informs um, how your store is laid out. Um, that is, is something that's uh, fairly important. Yeah. I, th- I think Jason raised a re- raises a really good point. The, the problem is that people think they need a lot of things to be successful, but sometimes a pop-up coffee shop is just selling coffee and that's just fine. It doesn't mean that I need to get my shoes shined there. It doesn't mean I need to buy a dress there. It doesn't mean I need to get a whole lunch there. It means I just want a cup of coffee. Right. Uh, I mean, like t- take, uh, take in and out for those of you who are watching, who don't know about in and out or have only kind of heard all in and out. Preach the gospel. Uh, sells. Preach the gospel. Yeah. <laughs> all all in and out sells is hamburgers, fries, drinks. That's it. Um, now you go and compare that to someplace like McDonald's that has uh, chicken sandwiches and nuggets and chicken strips and salads and parfaits and they have breakfast. No, in and out doesn't need that. They have, here's a hamburger. Oh, you want two patties? That's fine. Uh, add cheese. That's as far as the burgers go. You can kind of go like secret menu, off menu sort of stuff. But the menu up on the wall says hamburger, cheese, and, and that's it. And then fries. You can order the fries all these secret ways, but it just says fries. And then the, the drinks. And that's all. But Jason, aren't they like a little startup? Like they're brand new, right? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I, I mean, they're really just getting off the ground. I think they have a, a, an initial round of funding, but I, I really think they're going to go far. I think I think that's actually the perfect example, you know, because they're they're launching with their core strategy of what there is that they're going to offer. They're, that's their value proposition. That that's what they offer. That's what you can expect, and you don't have like to choose in between a whole bunch of different products. But they've chosen to go ahead and launch with essentially a limited amount of product uh, and see and test their market without you know going ahead and opening a bunch of different stores or trying to invest all of that money and time up front. Let's just get what we have ready for us, what, what our clients are asking for, what we believe our clients are asking for, and go ahead and launch with that. And sometimes the MVP happened back in 1948 and you never changed anything after that. So that, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> and, and, and Adrian, in case you don't know, like in and out has been around, invented the drive-through. That's the thing. Uh, and they're the Southern California hero of, of the San Gabriel Valley. And, and they have probably 2000 stores or something crazy. And they have not from changed Canada. the menu in 50 years, <laughs> and they won't. And I love that because sometimes your MVP is actually the best product that you need. They are here very soon. <laughs> no, I like, I, like the, I like the idea of, um, of getting just enough to get launched. And to answer your question about, about how to do this with content, I think you need to have the basics. You need to have a page, you know, um, a homepage that says, here's what our project is. Here's all the things that we're doing with it. You need to have a contact page that says, here's my contact. Here's how to get a hold of us if something doesn't work out right. 
You need to have um, all those pieces of being able to make sure that, uh, that there's privacy policies and all those sorts of things. Like get all that type of content on there and, and that's enough to, to, to get that part launched. You know, when you get into the product itself, maybe that's the spot that you really need to put a lot of um, emphasis in and how you're going to uh, kind of sell that person over on here. Here's how, you know, here's, this is why this is a good thing and this is why you should buy it and, and all of that. And that essentially becomes like your landing page of getting people to, to go buy that thing. So, so do you guys have like a list of questions that you ask your clients up front? Or do you have like a discovery phase too? How, yeah. how do you do it? You know? Whenever the guy, oh, the guy comes to you and I want a plugin or I want a website, what, what follows up with that? What kind of questions you ask them? Yeah, we have a questionnaire. Mm -hmm. So we have a questionnaire that is standard that we send all our new clients or if a client comes in and they want a total website refresh. Mm -hmm. So there's a list of questions. I don't remember them off the top of my head, but I know we have all the stuff that asks about content. It asks about what type of designs you like, what type of, if they are looking for a total design refresh there, we ask them what websites do you like and for development or what are some features that are must haves right out of the gate? What are things that could be in say a phase two? And mm -hmm. so we definitely have a discovery phase before we start anything, before any content mm -hmm. goes, any design, any development, we get that from our client and we don't even start any work until the client has filled that out and sends it back to us. Mm -hmm. And then we sit down and we review it and then we just keep working with the client until active development and design starts. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. When, uh, when I used to work in a digital marketing agency, we, we came of it from a little bit of a different perspective. Uh, we, we, whenever a new client came in and especially if it was like a new product that they were launching or they, it was their first kind of foray into the, the digital world, we always ask them, what is your intention? You know, at the end of the day, what's the results that you actually want to come out of, you know, putting a website together, putting campaigns together, putting ads on Facebook? What is it you want? And they'll say, well, I want maybe, you know, I want to grow my business, but that's not concrete enough. We need something that's tangible. Uh, some people call it a smart goal. I like to call it a, a, um, a measurable intention. Uh, like I want a hundred new clients in whatever business, or I want a thousand new podcast listeners, or I want 10 people to purchase my course, right? We, we always start with what their intention is from launching this product on, on any sort of digital platform. And we design and strategize the minimum number of steps required to get someone who's never heard of this person before into purchasing whatever product it is that they're trying to sell or their listener or subscriber or whatever it is that their intention is. And we always try and minimize the number of steps that it takes to, uh, for someone to do that. And then we build the systems and the websites and the processes around whatever that strategy turns out to be. Yeah, I, I think the other big thing that, uh, and I'm going to use the words that Jason didn't want to hear, the word scrum and agile. Uh, the, the big thing here is that, you know, as you, you do this the right way in professional software development, there's actually frameworks and tools and processes in place. Um, we're kind of also in a very interesting time period where we're about 25 years since the real agile manifesto sort of broke out. There's been lots of great talks over the years where people have said, agile is crazy, agile is dead, agile is dumb. And I think now we're actually fully, you know, rebirthed the idea of, of how it means to take small steps forward and how to be comfortable with shipping stuff. Um, I think there's a really fine line between, you know, shipping stuff that is ready for the market and shipping stuff that is entirely dangerous and destructive. So Agile tries to allow you to move forward being comfortable with what you're doing 
but without locking yourself into a path that ultimately locks you down a certain way moving forward. Um, there's a great video on YouTube of one of the founders of the Agile Manifesto. It's called Agile is Dead. And he talks about what he actually meant when they met back uh, in, in the early 90s to go through the entire uh, entire process of building out the Agile Manifesto. It's like, well, we really just want to make it easier to make changes down the line. Because in what Miriam's talking about, where you have multiple phases and you're doing all these what if you gain your mind halfway through phase one? What if you, you know, decide that we need all these things from phase three up now? You need to be able to have the ability to pivot on a dime, but be comfortable with still shipping stuff. So in a dream scenario, if your sprints are two weeks long, you cut a release at the end of every two weeks. You feel comfortable shipping something. Um, if you're a content creator, like you can apply those same ideas, but it just means you publish. You have to publish or otherwise you perish. Yeah, that is a concept also of a continuous delivering content now, like uh, even in programming too, you know, uh, uh, this is very common. But uh, one, one thing that uh, uh, I try to my clients to do, and, and before, back in the day, before, I, 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 used, I used to say like before I, I watched Chris Lemma talk about this, I was like super uh, afraid of content uh, creep, right? So, I mean, scope creep. But um, he has he has an awesome video. I don't know if you guys saw yet about like embracing uh, scope creep, and it's interesting, you know. Uh, and he he talks about like oh the client uh, goes to a restaurant and then asks oh I don't want onions on this dish, and oh I want you know bacon on this dish, and then they start you know adding more and moving more. So it's all about like expectations. So if your client is expecting this, they know what they gonna get for you and and what you're gonna to deliver to them. So if they ask some changes, and that's, that, that happens always, always. They never know exactly what they want until you start building stuff, right? Who does actually build a website or a plugin with like perfect blueprints and, and scope details and everything? Nobody, right? So if you have that, oh, now I'm building your house, but you want an extra bathroom? Yes, he's gonna you know, delay the, the project, it's gonna, you're gonna cost you this more, and sometimes they do it, sometimes they don't, right? So I'm embracing more scope grip than before. Before I was, no, this you can't do this. Like, now I listen to it and see, is it feasible? Can we do it now? Or can we you know, just postpone for phase two or something like that? Because that's continuous money coming in, right? If, you, if they are asking for chains and upgrades and stuff, right? So, and the other thing also that... Uh, Back in the day, we used to do it is like build this thing and forget about it, right? With WordPress, it's not like that because of all the updates and stuff, right? And the dependencies of all the plugins and all the themes that get updated and then you have to test it and then try it again. That's another thing too. They, I now, I, I made this mistake to get a new client, build his website in WordPress and do not sell maintenance. So now I tell them, hey, yeah. if you want to use WordPress, yes, it's quick, it's fast, we can launch the website really fast, but that is like the after uh, going live. Yeah. You know, where, what, how do you guys, do you guys tell also about this when you build the website? Amelia, I think probably you do this kind of stuff too, right? Yeah, definitely. So um, uh, I've only been in my position for about two years, but I know that there are some clients that um, our company has basically built and basically sent it off to them and they're not maintained. Mm -hmm. But we always make sure that we try and get a maintenance contract. And sometimes it's just basically 
going in, making sure all your plugins are up to date. Is the core up to date? Mm-hmm. And even now with with PHP 7.3 being released at the end of last year, making sure is your PHP up to date? Mm-hmm. All that kind of stuff. And there's a disclaimer, if a client does not want to pay us and they don't want to take the onus upon themselves to keep their website up to date, then we just say, it's like, okay, then if it breaks, sorry, we it's not on us because we have offered a maintenance contract and we've advised you to. And get hacked too. It's very common for, you know, outdated websites to get hacked, right? Oh yeah, I've seen some that are like, PHP 5.3, <laughs> WordPress uh, 4.0, and I just want to facepalm. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're we're uh, we're we were talking a little bit about um, about agile in this, and um, Cosper, you you were mentioning in the chat here, you know, was Gutenberg actually done in agile way? Is that and that's not the case, right? No, not not at all. The, the, the closest they came is a release every two weeks, but outside of that, yeah. And I know that I know that's that's kind of a frustrating thing for a lot of folks um, when it comes to um, uh, watching WordPress being built and how how the uh, um, how these things are being um, kind of released uh, in a in a time either in a timely manner or they get really delayed and they get released. Um, how do you deal with that when you have all these change orders that are coming in? Um, for your client, you want that MVP needs to, that thing needs to get launched at some point and you need to control the nut because like Manny was saying, you know, those change orders make money. And if Steve was here, Steve would be all like, yeah, like change orders are great. But I think at some point you also need to kind of manage this into the fact that it's like, you know, like Miriam said, you want to get this thing launched, but there's also like a version two. There's also like a next step. There's also like, how do you, how do you guys kind of navigate those waters to make sure this thing does get launched? And you don't end up in this like scope hell type of thing. Outside of outside of doing the Gutenberg thing and just shipping it, right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you gotta watch. You gotta watch out for that too. What if you build a plugin on top of Gutenberg, like we did an XDP, which is crazy. Yeah, <laughs> you were you you guys were building um you guys were building the seats in the airplane that was being. Um, that was being that's flying, but they're building the airplane while it was flying as well. So, yeah, I mean, we extensively extended uh, core blocks, and uh, you know, we added our own custom blocks before the custom block API was really built out. And we did lots of stuff that is really cool, and I'm really excited that like we shipped, we shipped all the way through, and we've kept up to date with Gutenberg. But like, the the reality is, there are at least two or three different ways to approach the software development. And the one that I would generally recommend, as hard as it is, is to make sure you stay updated. You have to read the blogs. You have to read make.wordpress.org news updates. You have to read the tavern. You should be watching shows like this one. Um, And you also have to plan to keep your features small. If you do a lot of custom stuff that goes against the best practices or sort of what the patterns we're seeing in the wild, it's going to be harder to maintain your software. Um, I'm not going to pick on anyone, but I would say that what the way that we do core software development at Word, uh, at XBP, it tends to line up with core WordPress. And we've actually offered up quite a few of the things we've done in the past that have gotten merged into WordPress core. So things like the customizer, uh, we did a lot of work with, with Gutenberg directly itself. Um, and in the past, like that's the stuff that we know is going to be better if you're using the right hooks or you're using the right priorities, you're using the right filters, all the stuff that in a way that's really clean. 
Um, I've seen a lot of plugins in the wild that, you know, use patterns from Drupal or patterns from Laravel that are, you know, the technically proficient code, but they're not maintainable in the long term. Uh, the other big thing, too, is that people don't escape and sanitize uh, inputs and outputs. Like The more basic things that usually open up uh, major problems in the wild are actually solvable by just using better tools. Um, I know Jason's a big advocate of this, but you actually have to use the right PHP suites to test your stuff. Otherwise, stuff will break. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how how do you guys communicate with clients? Do you use you guys use like Basecamp or something like that? Slack? How how do you talk to them? Email. Email. Yeah, that works too. We tend to use um, shared Slack rooms as much as possible. So like I I prefer if we can, especially on a long term engagement, to set up that. Um, and we're pretty async and all remote and distributed. Um, Slack is cool. Yeah, we do use Slack here too. Slack and Basecamp pretty much. I second Basecamp. Basecamp is a great tool for anybody that doesn't know. Uh, Jay, uh, what was the original, uh, just before Leo uh, was talking about um, uh, the Gutenberg process and, and how he was uh, merging products into core there, what was your original question there, Jason? How Statement. how Gutenberg was being built, and then how they were building their product on top of Gutenberg, and as right. the analogy of um, an airplane that's flying, and how you're building the airplane. But then um, Leo Leo's company thought it'd be a great idea to also build the seats that were in the airplane and building them as they were being built. So yeah, we hadn't agreed whether it was a boat or an airplane or a rocket ship or a bicycle. <laughs> and as a whole, like I would say that like. All, all things being said and done, like Gutenberg right now is in a very good place. There's been a lot of great things. There was a, a major accessibility audit that was released a little while back. Um, and I have to say, like, you know, there's been a lot of ugly that's been thrown around, but like, I'm happy that things are right now and people are shipping software on a regular basis. They're super transparent about the process. They're open to contributors. So like we, we've now agreed that it is an airplane. There are seats that are bolted down that might change. Um, and we generally know where we're going, which is a good thing. I, See, I, I, I'm okay with the, the airplane thing, but I really think it's more like a duck boat because it's both a, a car and a boat, and it does neither thing very well, but still there are plenty of people who go on it. Flying Amphicar. Uh, yep, yeah. yep. <laughs> That's now going to be, uh, you know, they're going to be building an entire uh, um interface using it you can build the whole website using yeah. the thing so I, I think gutenberg is a, like a like a great example of of kind of the whole idea of ready fire aim because uh they 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 released their their mvp which is like the the plugin that you'd install with gutenberg and they test the waters and regardless of you know the really terrible reviews that it got you know they they went ahead and they went for it they knew that they had something special but they just kind of got they have to get something out there at one point. And maybe what you have as a content creator isn't the best thing that people will love immediately, but you have to get something out there, test the waters, get the feedback because had they gone through the whole process of creating Gutenberg right from end, uh, right to uh, from beginning to end without releasing any of those mid stages or their 1.0 or their 2.0 or uh, what, what we eventually got in 5.0, then it would not be anywhere near where it is today. And we'd probably be stuck with something a whole lot worse. So as a content creator, getting your stuff out there, just like how Gutenberg went about their development process, I think is super important. I, I would say though, with, with one important caveat, if your feedback you get upfront is bad, if people are telling you don't, then, or if the market tells you, no, this is not a good idea, 
eventually some other force will, will pull this stuff out. This week there was a bunch of stuff announced um, surrounding Project Strobe, the Google project that's going to essentially close off APIs on Android and Chrome. It's really powerful. It's also, also the thing that finally killed Google, uh, Google+. Plus. So Google+, Plus, if you all remember, was a social network that existed. Um, people used it, apparently, like not me, but people could have used it. It was a really great idea. It had lots of product research. It was really smart. Yeah, but, but th that is also the other side of that, Leo. The market said no. Ford, I think, said that you know, people uh, back in the 1900s, they asked what people want. They wanted better horses, not a car, right? So sometimes some, someone has to be bold enough to take the decision and you know, put his face out there to, to get punched. And move on. You could also have it any color you wanted as long as it was black. So there, there was that one too. <laughs> I mean, but my, my point is that like, if the market says it's a bad idea, listen. And if they say we want this other thing instead or slow down as we build it out, listen. Otherwise, you're going to face a price. And eventually, if you don't listen, it will fail from some other greater external force, like, like the thing that happened with Project Stroke. Yeah, but on this specific case for Gutenberg, uh, I think th that's the beauty, beauty of WordPress, is that is, it's so flexible. For, you don't like Gutenberg? No problem. Put the classic edit and that's it, move on, right? So that's what makes WordPress so nice, you know, um, because you have, you have the uh, freedom to pick the way that you want to do it, right? Yeah, well, that's about it, folks, for today. I want to say thank you very much for all of you for coming on the show and hanging out with us. We really appreciate it. I do want to extend an offer to any of you folks that are watching the show and you want to get involved in it. You definitely can. You can go to wrcore.com slash subscribe. That's where you can figure out how to subscribe to this content as well as be able to get on our mailing list. And we'll send out a mailing letting you know that what's going on and, and what's happening there. So feel free to go uh, take a look at that. Lastly, I want to say uh, thank you all for coming and hanging out with us on a Friday. I, I really appreciate it. Um, it's uh, it's been good. It's been a good fun uh, time hanging out here and kind of talking about this stuff. And I, I really appreciate it. Um, that's about it. You talk, talk to you all later. You have a good one. Bye bye.